Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the One Day at a Time podcast hosted by me, Valerie, hopefully your new podcast bestie at this point. (laughs) If you're listening to this in 2023, you've probably heard that Miss Taylor Swift is on tour right now. Or you've probably been on Ticketmaster yourself, fighting for your life to get tickets. Tickets that I did not get, but my sister did. So I will be living vicariously through her when that concert date comes around. Until then, I will be hanging out here with you guys (laughs) and talking about Miss Taylor instead. But besides her current era's tour, Miss Taylor has been a very hot topic of the mainstream press in the last few weeks. This is arguably the most coverage that she's received since dropping Midnight's last October 2022. And just two weeks ago, as you may have already heard, news came out that she broke up with her longtime lover, Mr. Joe Alwyn. And a lot of us, I'm sure, have been following the aftermath of the breakup, as Taylor Swift's every move has been magnified and connected back to her breakup somehow. Um, Like, Just scrolling on TikTok, I've seen so many people post videos at her concert being like, oh my god, look at her reaction. She's clearly still so emotional over the breakup. Or when she's stepping out with her friends, um, there was this photo of her in New York with Gigi Hadid and the Haim sisters that went viral recently. And everyone went crazy being like, OMG, she's regressing to her old school girl gang habits. Like, look at her. And (laughs) this is all very charming, but who said she's emotional just because of her breakup? Like, what if that happened a while back? And also, what if she, like, never left the girl gang, you know? If you couldn't tell by the podcast title or this um, intro, today we are unpacking the captivating lore of American mega pop star Taylor Swift and exploring her various eras the evolution of her music and her narrative, and what each of her eras represents. All of this mainstream press around Taylor right now is the first big reason that I wanted to talk about her today. The second reason is actually something a lot sillier. It's something that I so strongly believe. (laughs) Last year, my roommate and I, shout out to my former roommate, Plarn, If you're listening to this, I miss you, and I hope you're okay with me airing out our kitchen counter convos. But during the fall of our senior year, when Taylor's re-released version of Red had just come out, and everyone was really feeling that 10-minute version of All Too Well, my roommate and I came up with this theory that everyone and anyone at any moment of their life (laughs) is in a Taylor Swift era. It doesn't matter if you are a fan or not, if you're a guy, a girl, non-binary, younger, older, whoever and wherever you are, you are likely going through a Taylor Swift era right now. (laughs) And this, of course, doesn't just apply to Taylor's music. There are so many other amazing artists with as dynamic, long-standing, and diverse a body of work and history in the music industry that have clearly defined eras of their own for you to relate to. For example, I'm thinking of the Beatles or Beyonce. Today, we're unpacking Miss Taylor Swift. And I know she writes music for a very specific audience. So I want to be careful with the way that I'm using the word diverse right now. 
When I say it, I really mean her eras are uniquely marked by a visibly and audibly different music style and image. Miss Swift by no means captures the true diversity of the many and uniquely different genres, writing, and sounds in the music industry. She very much only represents a fraction of all of that. But we can't deny this woman's undeniable power, influence, and legacy in the music industry, and just how eclectic and captivating her musical and character transformation in the media has been over the years. Okay, that was a bit tangential, but yes, this silly little theory of my roommate and mine came back to me recently, and I thought it would be fun to unpack. Now that we've gotten through my intro ramblings, let's jump into the actual body of the episode. First off, we'll start by talking about the origins and lore of Taylor Swift's narrative, how each of her eras came about, what they're characterized by, and what they represent. During this discussion, we'll get to the heart of what exactly it is about Miss Taylor Swift's story that makes so many of us obsessed with her. Enough so to cement her role as one of the most successful pop stars of all time. Then we'll end the episode with what I'm sure you're all a little curious about. What Taylor Swift era am I in right now and why? This is such a silly topic. I cannot believe I'm actually recording a podcast episode on Taylor Swift. But I'm actually really excited about this one and I hope you guys enjoy it too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a short little music break. From her country beginnings to her current pop domination, Miss Taylor Swift has undergone numerous transformations throughout her career, something that has kept her fans eagerly anticipating her every move. Taylor's first era was marked by the release of her self-titled debut album in 2006. This era is characterized by her country pop sound, songs about teenage romance and heartbreak, and an image of a young curly-haired sweetheart who loved cowboy boots and colorful sundresses. She very quickly gained a following with her relatable lyrics and country pop sound. Some of her most famous songs from this era include Teardrops on My Guitar and Love Story. This era lasted around two years from 2006 to 2008, as Taylor was very much just getting started. Following her debut, Taylor Swift released her second album, Fearless, in 2008. This album marked a departure from her country roots and saw her embrace a more mainstream, polished pop sound. And her style during this era reflected her new pop-oriented sound, featuring sequin dresses and sparkly accessories. With hits like Love Story and You Belong With Me, Miss Swift's popularity quickly skyrocketed and ultimately culminated into her first headlining tour. This was also the first time that Miss Taylor Swift's relationships started being put under a spotlight as she was involved with other up-and-coming starlets at the time, like Joe Jonas and Taylor Lautner. 
this era lasted until 2010 when Miss Taylor Swift released her third album, Speak Now. With this album, Swift continued evolving her sound and style, experimenting with different genres, and incorporating more personal experiences into her lyrics. Many of the hits from this era, including Mine, Back to December, and Mean, embody a more mature and introspective sound. They discuss topics like growing up and coming to terms with adulthood. Very notably, the album also spotlighted the on-and-off relationship that Taylor Swift shared with John Mayer, as she famously penned Dear John to him. But along with Fearless, Speak Now was really when Taylor Swift's high-profile relationships began being indelibly tied to her songwriting and public character. Her style during Speak Now featured romantic dresses, lace, and a lot of vintage-inspired looks. The first three albums in Taylor Swift's eras, her EP, Fearless, and Speak Now, really speak to a younger audience. You might be in high school, middle school, maybe early on in your college career. You are very much romanticizing this idea of getting into a relationship, growing up, and getting independence, dealing with the struggles and challenges of growing up. Your first love, your first heartbreak, it's sweet, painful, it's looking out of the car window while it's raining, longing, or coming home from a great movie and ice cream date and feeling like you're on top of the world. But oh boy, did this change with her next and fourth era, Red. This is a very pivotal one. If you were around in 2012 when Miss Taylor Swift was releasing this, you know just how groundbreaking this full jump into pop music was. Although Fearless and Speak Now both featured hints of her country roots, like a banjo or a bell here and there, Red marked Taylor's true shift into the pop space. She embraced this edgier sound. She was blending pop, rock, and country influences. Visually, this era was characterized by a much more vibrant and burning image of Taylor, with songs about intense love and heartbreak. And her style during this era featured bold colors, lots of crop tops, high-waisted shorts, and those heart glasses that I know you all know and love. Hits from this era include We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, 22, I Knew You Were Trouble, and of course, All Too Well, a cult anthem for Miss Taylor Swift's fan base and also the official theme song of the I Hate Jake Gyllenhaal Club. Many of the songs on the album allegedly discuss their relationship and really give autumnal sad girl vibes. Rhett is a lot more mature. You might be in your early 20s now. You've just gone through all of that heartbreak, all of those younger experiences. You are just starting to feel comfortable as an independent adult. You are relying a lot on your friends for emotional support, for company, 
You might be moving to a new city and really discovering who you are independent of your childhood home, your family, your first love, and your younger past self. Along the way, it will be messy, it will be fun, depressing, but you are going to get through it. And these images, these feelings, the larger scope of this time of your life will merge into 1989 and reputation as well. Same message, same theme, different fonts. This era is also when Swift was rumored to be dating her next lover, Mr. Harry Styles, uh, which was a short-lived romance, but one that has a big presence in her next album and fifth era, 1989, which started in 2014. In 1989, Miss Swift embraced a retro pop sound, incorporating synth-heavy production and catchy hooks into her songwriting. Hits from this era, such as Shake It Off and Bad Blood, discuss themes of self-discovery and female empowerment. Most notably, her hit Blank Space was a satirical take on the media's portrayal of her dating life with the lyrics describing a fictionalized version of a crazy, vengeful, and possessive girlfriend who flies around the world collecting men. Her style during this era was somewhat similar to Red, but a lot more colorful New York City streetwear, featuring crop tops, high-waisted shorts, and matching sets, along with her classic bold red lip and slick back bob cut. This era was very much um, Taylor moving to New York City. The girl gang was happening in full force during this time. She was leaving her country roots behind and really embracing her new life in urban America. And she wasn't afraid to take on the haters. During 1989, Miss Taylor Swift actually got involved in a very public feud with Kanye West and the Kardashians. One that actually started in 2009, when Kanye had famously interrupted her acceptance speech at the MTV Video Music Awards. In 2016, Kanye released his song Famous, which included an explicit and disparaging lyric about Miss Taylor. And Taylor had publicly condemned the song, saying that she had never given him permission for the use of the lyric and called it misogynistic. Kanye and Kim, however, claimed that Taylor had approved of the lyric in a phone call with Kanye. And then Kim went on and released the video footage on her Snapchat of Kanye and Taylor discussing the song over the phone, which seemingly confirmed that Taylor had actually approved of the lyric. The full context of the conversation turned out was not shown, and Taylor maintained that she didn't approve of what she had been called in the song. And this feud escalated on social media with posts from both sides and accusations of lying and betrayal. It was very much this pop culture moment that inspired and ushered in her newest album, her sixth era, and my favorite album, may I say, Reputation. <laughs> This 2017 album adopted a darker and more confrontational image with songs about celebrity and media scrutiny. This era saw Taylor's departure from her bubbly pop persona uh, that she carried through Red in 1989 
to a more edgy and mature sound and image with a heavy focus on electronic and trap influences. Some of her most famous songs from this era include Look What You Made Me Do and Delicate, which is my personal favorite Taylor Swift song of all time. It feels like home to me. (laughs) And her style during this era featured black outfits, leather, and fishnet stockings. Sis was full Wednesday Adams right now. She was done with everyone's BS. She was ready to stomp on some people. She was learning how to love herself and only take to heart the opinions of her lovers and those around her that she cared about. We love Reputation Taylor. The Reputation era also introduced us to a very central character to the Taylor Swift narrative today, Mr. Joe Alwyn, who had been a smaller time actor at the time. They had allegedly met at the Met Gala, and this was also around the same time that Taylor was still seeing Mr. Tom Hiddleston. A rebound from her second longest relationship in the media with Mr. Calvin Harris. And, you know, at the Met Gala, Mr. Joe Alwyn caught her eye, perhaps. Two years after Reputation was released in 2019, Miss Taylor returned to a more upbeat and romantic sound in her seventh era and album, Lover. Unlike her earlier, sweeter albums like Fearless and Speak Now, the writing and storytelling on Lover is a lot more mature and sophisticated. She croons about love, friendship, and self-acceptance, and her aesthetic during this time was marked by a deeply colorful, confident, and whimsical image, with a focus on pastels and rainbow imagery. Some of her most famous songs from this era include Cruel Summer and her title track, which is a true gem. Her audience can very much sense the bubbly happiness and self-satisfaction that Miss Taylor was experiencing during this time. It really spoke volumes to the state of her mental health, her personal life, and her relationships with her friends, family, and notably her lover, Mr. Joe Alwyn. The lover era represents a period of your life where you feel a lot more stable and comfortable. You are settling into adulthood. Things are still vibrant, they are fresh, you are honeymooning in your head, whether it be with your partner, with your life, with your new job, your friends, family, whatever it is, but you are so happy and euphoric and it is a healthy type of appreciation that you have right now. You're confident enough to stand up for what you believe in, you are putting the haters behind you, and you're moving forward with your head held high. Okay, okay, okay. Hang in there, everyone. We're almost through. We just have three albums left to cover. But hopefully you are getting the different vibes of her different albums so far and enjoying this little trip down memory lane. Jumping back into it, in 2020, Miss Taylor Swift surprised her fans with her eighth album, Folklore, which was a very notable shift away from her pop sound and an unexpected return to her roots in acoustic and indie music. She very quickly followed up with a companion album, Evermore, in that same year. 
which was like folklore, but in sepia, basically. <laughs> I'm sorry, Taylor. I love you, but you can't really separate the two. <laughs> this era is characterized by a more stripped down and introspective sound with a focus on storytelling and mythology. Some of her most famous songs from this era include Cardigan, Willow, and Betty. It was around this time that Taylor was allegedly spending more time in her childhood state of Pennsylvania, which she famously references in her Christmas track, Christmas Tree Farm. A very clear separation that she was choosing to make between herself and the louder, more chaotic trappings of mainstream media, folklore, and evermore represent stability, creativity, a desire to do something more than just live. You are comfortable where you are and you want to make something that is more than just yourself. This is Taylor Swift's storyteller era, a time when she was really trying to prove that she was more than just her stories about her ex-boyfriends and celebrity gossip pushback. During the years of 2020 to 2021, Taylor also notably re-recorded her Fearless and Red albums due to a dispute that she was having with her former record label, Big Machine Label Group, which was acquired by a music executive, Scooter Braun's company, Ithaca Holdings, in 2019. The acquisition had included the master recordings of Taylor's first six albums, which she had recorded with Big Machine, and Taylor was super vocal about just how displeased she was with the sale to someone that she didn't trust and didn't have a positive relationship with. Re-recording her albums was a way for her to regain control over her music and her legacy. And with that, we have finally arrived at the last era, Midnights, which was released just last fall in October of 2022. If I'm being completely honest with you, I'm not 100% sure just yet what Midnight's characterizes in terms of the grander scheme of her media character development, but I know she was very vocal about the album being a collection of a lot of her older unreleased songs. From the rebranding, I can tell it emanates a very retro energy that most closely aligns with perhaps 1989, especially with songs like Lavender Haze and Antihero that give the same glittery, lush, and heavy beat sounds that songs like Blank Space do. So big TBD on what Midnight's represents, but the way that I'm seeing it is almost like a rebirth of... 1989s Taylor, but make it more mature, make it more powerful. She is a legacy name in the music industry now, and she knows that. She's overcome so much at this point, and Midnight is a shiny and humble reflection of all that she's been through. And it makes perfect sense why she would want to do the Eras tour in cohesion with the release of her Midnight's album. We have finally gotten through all nine albums and eras, from country pop darling to edgy pop star, Taylor Swift has really transformed throughout her career, keeping her fans on her toes at all times and proving that she's not afraid to experiment with her music and her style. 
each era very much represents a different chapter in her life and in her career. And it's been really exciting as an early fan to watch her evolve over the years. I remember running to Target to grab the newest CD versions of her albums when they came out in middle school and in high school. Now I'm sitting here at 22 recording a podcast episode about her 10th album, which is crazy to me. Throughout Taylor's many eras, there has been one through line that has persisted, and that has been just how intimate and relatable her songwriting has been. Unlike some artists who rely more on catchy beats or a unique vocal style, Taylor Swift's music very much centers on her powerful storytelling and her deep understanding of her audience. Her lyrics often touch on themes of love, heartbreak, self-discovery, and personal growth, which I think are universally felt and understood. And she speaks especially well to the experiences and emotions of young female audiences. Another reason for her appeal is her authenticity and transparency in recent years, especially after the release of her Netflix documentary in 2020. Since then, Taylor has been a lot more open about her personal struggles, including her battle with anxiety and body dysmorphia. She's also been a lot more vocal about her political opinions. Both of these things really resonate with her fans who either might share a similar struggle or similar values and beliefs. She's also used her platform to speak up about social issues after the media had accused her of being a closeted conservative for a very long time. And finally, Taylor has this magical way of maintaining a super close relationship with her fan base, interacting with them on social media and through fan events like her secret listening parties. I've been a Taylor Swift fan for as long as I can remember, so much so that she is actually the reason why I taught myself how to play guitar in middle school. That said, I think we've finally arrived at the second part of this podcast. I'm sure you're all very curious about what Taylor Swift era I'm in right now. (laughs) Or maybe you're not curious and I just want to share. We will reveal that right after this short little music break. Welcome back. So the silly little theory of mine that everyone is in a Taylor Swift era actually came back to me recently because I had been running in the park listening to Taylor Swift and the cherry blossoms were blooming around me. The weather was super pretty and work has been a little tough for me lately. But in that moment, I wasn't thinking about it at all, which has been rare. And all of a sudden, I just felt overwhelmed with this sense of calm and lover washed over me. For context, I feel like I've been in my reputation era for a long time now. Senior year was truly a year of giving zero fucks, prioritizing myself, my family, and my friends, and learning how to feel confident in myself in various ways. 
it had been the first time that I was back on campus. I had been hanging out with my friends a lot more. And it was very much this balancing game that I was doing between school, work, family, and socializing that was super messy and chaotic, but also powerful at times. And it was also the first time I had started properly putting myself out there in terms of dating. A lot of my girlfriends had also just left their long-term relationship. And so we were all just going through the motions of meeting new people together and being in our reputation era. Much of my senior year was very much characterized by the sense of fun and flirty chaos. So you can imagine what a shock it was for me to be randomly one day two weeks ago running in the park and for it to hit me like, hey, for the first time in a long time, I'm feeling a bit euphoric. And yes, there are so many things that I'm working through in my work life and in my family life right now, but I've got myself and I've got an awesome support system and I'm seeing someone who makes me so genuinely happy and cared for right now that I feel especially grateful and happy during this period of my life. Not to say that I wasn't happy in my reputation era, it was just a very different kind of happy. And I still can't quite figure out what happened between reputation and lover and when that shift honestly started taking place. But yes, it was just a few weeks ago that I noted that the shift had happened and it really hit me like a ton of bricks. If you're listening on Spotify right now, there is a Q&A feature that lets you guys interact with me. And the question down there is, what Taylor Swift era are you in and why? So please drop a note and let me know or come hang out with me on Instagram at onedayatatime.mp3. This is the new Instagram page that I just started for podcast listeners or head over to my personal Instagram at valgifong. Follow me, drop me a DM. I am so excited to hear from you all. Thank you guys so much for listening today and every episode. It really means so much to me that you're choosing to take some time out of your own day to spend some with me. And I hope you enjoyed this. We'll be talking soon, I promise. Lots of love. Lots of love.